Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Vice President Kamala Harris is in Charlotte. I have found an audio feed of said vice president. To talk about how they're feeling. Oh, my God. Ah. Which we know has everything to do with how they are experiencing life, how they will interact with others, much less how they will be able to learn. And so today we are convening to talk about all of these issues. Mm-hmm. And to talk about the trauma that is undeniable, how it manifests itself in children and young people who you may find want to sleep all day because they just don't want to get out of bed or deal with the realities of the hard realities of the violence and the pain they feel if they have personally witnessed or have a family member who has been killed or harmed by gun violence. We've talked about trauma and how it results in young people. We talked about it with, with the people who go to war. PTSD, how they relive what is happening in a way that may cause them to act out. But undiagnosed and therefore untreated, what that might mean in terms of marginalizing these children because they just have not had the mental health counseling and attention that they need to heal and to more productively express their feelings. So we're here today to talk about many things, including the need for smart gun safety laws, reasonable gun safety laws, but the trauma and what we must do then to assist in the diagnosis and treatment of that trauma. And for all of those reasons, I am proud to be here at this very school to make an announcement. It's a Charlotte school. Which is that we are announcing $285 million as part of our administration's initiative to hire and train mental health counselors in schools. In North Carolina, $12 million of those dollars will be received, Mayor, um, which will include the ability and resources to hire 332 new counselors and nationally will help to hire over 14,000 mental health counselors for our schools who can do the kind of work which is to lead in group counseling sessions, one-on-one therapy, and student mediation, um, social and emotional lessons every day. Oh, SEL, of course. All right, so that works out to be like three counselors per county. So that'll do it. To check in and to heal. So with all of that, again, um, and our announcement previously of over $6 million for students at, at, at schools in, in communities with high rates of gun violence, we are putting the resources where they are needed. More resources are needed, no doubt. But let's pay attention to this issue because we can actually do something about it. And we have the opportunity then to address what we know will otherwise be generational and intergenerational trauma. Trauma is something that is not genetically inherited, what? but it is inherited Wait, what? in terms of if untreated, if there's no intervention, what continues to be trauma building up in communities. 
And so again, I thank everyone here for your courage, for your leadership. And with that, I'm going to turn it back to Secretary Cardona to mediate and moderate our discussion. Thank you very much, Madam Vice President. And um, you know, a lot to ponder there. A lot of. Mm. Uh, Can I get a Venn diagram? Facts. Okay. Oh, there's Mayor Lyles. I have to say. Uh, so they're sitting at like they're they got like they got like tables. Mental health support for our students. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, He's so they they're sitting. It's very weird. Um, this is at Eastway Middle School. They've got the, the they've got like four table no yeah four like fold out tables with the with the black um, uh, tablecloths you know fitted over them, and she's sitting in the middle. She's got the vice presidential seal <laughs> on this table, which looks weird. Um, and so she's sitting there, she's got papers all out in front of her, no teleprompter, so she's going off script, which, like, I was waiting on something to happen there. Um, and she kind of got a little a little esoteric, as she does. No, here's the mayor. Let's see what Mayor Vi Lyles has to say. What is doing to combat gun violence and invest in mental health resources? $285 million. If some part of that comes to our community, we will be very grateful, and we will put it to good use. Um, your support along with all of the people in this room who Miles is reading this, this from a city, script. this great state, they are going to make the difference. And it's critical that they have, we have the participation that we have around the table because it's going to take all of us. Well, there's only five Every people. Every level of government is going to be needed. To there's only five people the at the table. We have right now of gun violence and making our community members, residents feel safe. We're currently facing a very hard truth that our youth are increasingly caught in the cycle of crime. And we must do more to ensure our youth have the opportunity, as well as hope that that's not always going to be who they are or how they are identified. As a mom who raised two teenagers, I know that being a teenager comes with its own set of challenges and facing violence as a teen in this time and place is a whole new layer of complexity. Let me tell you a brief story about a 17-year-old um, young man who was tragically shot and suffered a serious spinal cord injury that changed his life. While he was on the path to recovery, he met with our health care systems violence interruption intervention team because he wanted to heal and break the cycle of violence that he had. The team in the hospital listened to him, they earned his trust, and he began to share his fear of leaving the hospital and going back to the streets. Together with a circle of people who cared deeply about him, they built a safe place outside of his home, igniting a sense of hope that he would be able to have a brighter future. That's what the people in this room that I'm so proud of in this community, that's what you do every day to support programs like this. And I am proud and grateful. To so you. I wonder if, uh, did defunding police, did that, did that make people feel less safe in their communities? Did, did that lead to the victimization of more members of various communities? I'm just asking questions. Caring about what happens on our streets, in our communities, and especially for our youth. The money that you invest with us 
to hire and train school. She's not investing. It's not her money, will make Mayor. A genuine difference in what the future can be. So I, along with all of the members of the elected officials across the state, all of the people in this room that give their time and dedication to this effort, I know working together we can make a better future for our communities and our young people especially. So thank you very much for having this difficult conversation, but necessary conversation today. Thank you very much, uh, Mayor, uh, for the reminder that it does take a village. Thank you. Um, and speaking of the Oh, my gosh. Right, look, dude, th you should not be quoting any kind of— All right, so hang on a second. This guy—don't get me started. I, got, I, I still have this clip. Miguel Cardona, the education secretary. Remember, th this is the guy who said this. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. What? Dude, you are not allowed to quote any political slogan or saying or candidate or elected official ever again. It is the exact opposite of what that quote was. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Count on us as a partner in this. Our students are waiting. Thank right. you. So we're from the government. Because Reagan said it. We're from the government. We're here to help. Here's what Reagan said, actually. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Right. Yeah, same thing. Right? By the way, last night during the debate, Ron DeSantis kept using the term pale pastels. And national political reporters were attacking him, saying that he's being sexist, commenting on what she's wearing, what Nikki Haley was wearing. Completely oblivious. These are political reporters covering presidential races, and they don't know what that comment is about, pale pastels. That's Reagan's line. That's Ronald Reagan talking about painting in bold colors from a political perspective when you're talking about what you want to do, shining city on a hill, Painting in bold colors, bright colors, not pale pastels. Standing for stuff. And these are the people that are like, I'm going to tell you what all's happening and provide you the context and explanatory journalisming and such. Pound sand, people. All right, sorry, I'm off on a tangent here. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out they cut the feed they kicked all the media out and then they cut the feed so they're having a roundtable discussion about gun violence prevention that they don't want us to listen to that tracks <laughs> that tracks <laughs> oh my goodness but you, you didn't hear about reverend barber hey, he brought like a bar stool like a big old chair well he actually has an assistant he has an assistant that carries this humongous chair Everywhere he goes, 
because he's got arthritis in his hips and stuff, and so he can't sit down like a, a, too low. So he's got this big, tall bar stool, not like a fold-out one either, like one with like the with the back. It's like fully wood. It's got like the padded seat and everything. It's like the full, like the one that you would stick in like a kitchen island, you know, like a big chair. And he brought it to a movie theater a couple weekends ago, and he tried to set it up in the handicap section. Well. I, you know, and, and they're like, you can't do that. And so the cops were called. Video was taken. This is the guy that staged the Moral Monday movement protests and all of that. So I'm sure he totally was not looking for any kind of publicity. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so they kicked him out. And then, of course, it became a, a federal case. He's making it into a federal case, literally. Um but I have an idea of like maybe why you wouldn't want somebody sitting on a really tall chair in front of everybody else in a movie theater. I have I have an idea about why that might be the case. Just yeah, you're going to be blocking everybody else's view that's behind you. He's not a small man, and so he basically you're yeah no dude you got to like you got to move off to the side someplace. But you're not allowed to sit in the aisles, and he's there with some other people, so they're all going to sit around him. Anyway. So that's what that reference was about. Um, let me see here. Do I have time to let me go over? Well, hmm. Ah, all right. Let me get. I'll get Brian on. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Hey, uh, what's up, man? Hey, that comment that the mayor just made. I got a problem with her sentence when she said the children who are committing crimes are victims of crime. Mm-hmm. Okay, like they're they're just standing around on a corner somewhere. And crime comes up and makes them do something, and then they get arrested for it. They're, right. they're victims. They're, right. not, they're not to be held accountable for their actions. They were That's just standing the there, and then all of a sudden some crime came up. along and, and, and dragged them into it. The, the, I mean, that's, that's Democrat 101. You're hmm. a victim. You're a victim. You're a victim. You're not held accountable. I got a big problem with that statement. What's, what, I got a big problem with one I just listened to because I because now that they kicked us out, I went back, re-racked the uh, the audio, and so I watched the very beginning of the vice president's comments, and uh, yeah. she held us up as examples of what we should be doing to combat violence. Charlotte of all days. <laughs> <laughs> it's maddening. What was it? The, the, what do you call it? The something, something, dumbassery. Dumbassery. It is indeed. Yes, but it makes a target-rich environment for me as a talk show host, and that's really what it's all about. Brian, I appreciate it. Good to hear from you, buddy. I got to run. Okay, bye. Hi, man. Uh, who was this? Trent says, Pete, I could almost hear people changing the station while you were jipping the press conference. <laughs> uh, jipping, uh, join in progress. It's an industry term. JIP, join in progress. James, welcome to the program. Hello, James. Hey. Hey, what's up? I was uh, listening as much as I could stomach uh, to uh, the brilliance on uh, the, the crime comments mm. and uh, uh, the, the gun violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, keep, I keep trying to figure this out. Maybe it's simply because my education tells me that inanimate objects don't commit violence. I well, I mean, I think guns do, right? Guns, from what I understand, they they get out of people's homes, they run around, they murder people. That's what I've heard. I mean, that's what I, that's what I've heard. Well, uh, let's see. 
My my daddy gave me my first rifle when I was 10 years old. I still have it. It has never loaded itself and snuck out of the house. Well, consider yourself lucky, James, because as I understand it, yeah. that's how it usually happens. Yeah, and the, and the other thing is that entire thing that uh, the vice president was saying, mm-hmm. the word criminal was never mentioned once. No, 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 no. No, no, they're all victims. They're just standing there, and then a gun goes out, murders some people, and then jumps into their hands. And so they are traumatized by the victim. I mean, look, in all seriousness, I do understand the point of what they're talking about. When, like, when we say mental health, right, is a big part of the reason why people go and, like, commit, you know, mass shootings and stuff like that. So mental health and, and putting more counselors, making people more available to deal with, yes, traumatic events that occur in people's lives, I, I don't, I re- like, I really don't have a problem with it. So, like, honestly, I don't have a problem with doing it. We've already, most of Americans are already okay with uh, with a lot of these uh, 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 social worker and, and government services and such. So, like, I, I'm a realist. I'm a pragmatist. I recognize that there's not a lot that right. you're going to be able to persuade people about when it comes to this stuff. So, you know, from a more conservative standpoint... Okay, mental health, check the box. This is mental health. So I'm fine with it. I'm not so fine with the idea that we are uh, we're robbing people of agency, right? We, we're saying that they had no control over some of these things. Well, here comes the other part, is the fact that as far as uh, violence, where you're liable to be attacked and there is liable to be a weapon involved, mm-hmm. uh, the odds of it being a mass, quote-unquote, mass shooting you probably have a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of the crime stats, I, I go over this stuff all the time. Whenever we, you know, in the wake of any kind of a shooting, you are more than, you are most likely to be murdered by somebody you know, right? You are most likely mm-hmm. to be um, uh, uh, murdered by a, a, a handgun, not an AR-15, right? If it is a shooting death, right, the, 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 the times that, like, the mass shootings are, like, 1%, less than 1% of all shootings. So, like, there were all these stats that people ignore that because they undermine the narrative that they are attempting to build, right, which is that everybody needs to live in constant fear of being murdered by a mass shooting uh, with an AR-15 at any given moment, when, in fact, no, you're probably going to get killed by somebody that you know in your community, in your family, one of your relatives or something. So... Yeah, that's uh, that, no. Those are all fair points, James. I appreciate the call. Let me. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to play. This was the beginning of Kamala Harris's comments. All right. So on a day when the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police released the crime stats showing an increase in the crime being driven by juveniles, shootings up, driven by juveniles, auto thefts up, driven by juveniles. Right. Here's what Kamala Harris says. Oh, my goodness. Now I got to skip it. Really, Twitter? I hate you. Sometimes I really do hate you, Twitter. It's not letting me load it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Thank you for um, welcoming us and for the work that you are doing here in Charlotte. Okay. Um, I have traveled here from Washington, D.C. this morning because the work that you all are doing as a community of leaders is so critically important and a real example of what we can do as a country when we do truly see our children oh. and listen to them and understand, yes, their God-given potential and understand what we can do then to assist in them actually realizing that potential, including 
the duty that we each have to ensure that they are safe in every way. Yes, physically safe, that they are safe to dream, that they are safe to learn, that they are just safe to be. And so that's why we have convened today. Okay. <sighs> Society, like kids, need moms and dads for different reasons. I kind of feel like a lot of times dads provide a different kind of response, shall we say, a level of discipline. And moms, like unconditional love, right? Moms are a little bit more like, doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> You're my kid. It's never going to change. And dad's like, you know, I, I will take you out of this world, right? <laughs> so I kind of feel like at a societal level, our elected leaders exhibit these kinds of behaviors too. And I think, I think we need some more, we need to increase the, uh, the, the dad quotient. David, welcome to the show. Hello, David. Hey, Pete. Um, thanks for all you do. I, uh, I feel like everybody has been dancing around the elephant in the room. You know, the crime and the car thefts and the gun violence. Is there another thread that connects all these that no one's talking about, like race? Well, race doesn't make people commit violence. No, no, no. But I'm saying, are most of these crimes consistent with one race? No. Well, if you're asking if there is one particular racial demographic that is overrepresented in the offender category, yes, it's African Americans. Absolutely, and that's been the case well, for a long. Why does nobody say that? But what's the why deeper? Is- but what's the what's the deeper root though of that? It's not because of the race. What's the what's it, it doesn't take a village. It takes two parents. Ah, so you're getting into now what I what I would argue is really at the heart of this stuff, which is Marxism, yeah. which is which destroyed the nuclear family, particularly in the black home, um, and they going back to Johnson's Great Society, right? And it supplanted the father with the government, and that was a raw deal, and it robbed multiple generations of father figures and i suspect still doing it today right absolutely and it's and by the way it's that is now becoming more and more widespread it is it's now beyond just you know one racial cohort it that that has now spread the fatherless homes that 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 issue has now spread to all demographics you know murphy brown thank you very much talking about that is the root cause then i have been Oh, they're not going to. No, not I have. you. Not, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about vice president uh, victim. <laughs> well, no, she's not going to talk about it. They're they're the party that did it. They benefit. They <laughs> they are right, like they they benefit by having more people uh, that are hooked up to the government services. They will always vote right. They will always vote for the uh, for the ones that provide them with the services and that like. I mean, I hate to be uh, like that's it's very crass, but I guess that's you know that's the case. So they they, they don't want to change that system. So Dave, I appreciate the call. No, I I, I think um, I think crime stats should include fatherless homes as a as a as a marker as a demographic marker, and and find out what the data says. A couple of tweets here. This is from Eric, who says Kamala Harris's delivery is so grating. What is that patronizing tone of voice? Um, I believe it is uh, 
uh, patronizing. That's what, yeah, that is, that's what it is. It's the patronizing tone. Natural Treasures says, Pete, why does our VP always sound like she's reading to a class of kindergartners? Because that's how, yeah, that's, it's just, it's the Mandy Cohen thing. It's like, you're too stupid to understand, so I'm going to talk to you like you're a child. Look at me. I'm so. The Hellion says she's got a Marilyn Monroe type of breathiness. Yeah, this is like, I'm sensing a theme here. Jonathan says you should tell that caller, James, that his gun has not loaded itself and snuck out and committed any crimes as far as he knows. Right, as far as he knows, his gun hasn't done that. Roger, welcome to the program. Hey, Roger. Yeah, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Uh, not much. Glad to see the sun shining. That's a nice day. Yeah. My, my thing is, and, and, and it don't matter what race, black, white, Chinese, it don't matter what race. When you have these women that are having three, four kids, three or four different daddies, and their own welfare and food stamps, and this is not every every one because sure. we do have success stories. Sure, but, but the, the chances become much lower. They, yeah, but the majority of them they have nowhere to turn but the crime. Right. So here's and the, again, these are the uh, these are the the things to do to stay out of poverty or to get out of poverty, as identified the Brookings uh, by the Brookings Institute, which is a liberal think tank, and it is. Uh, you know, graduate high school, uh, have a job, any job, doesn't matter, have a job, and uh, don't get, uh, don't have kids before you get married, which occurs after you graduate high school. So you do those three things, and the chances that you're going to be in poverty are so low, or that you'll get out of poverty, right? Like, that's the formula, and government can't make people do that. That's, and, and that's why we're in this cycle. What they can do, though, is if a, if a woman has one kid and she cannot afford that kid, she's on all the social services deal, hey, look, if you have another one, you're not getting no more money. Right. There is a perverse incentive structure built into the system. Right. And, and then you get to the welfare cliff issue where you can't make enough money to supplant the amount of uh, the, the services and, and uh, uh and welfare that you're receiving and benefits that you receive. Yeah, the, the system is structured in this way, and it's it's perpetuating this negative cycle. Roger, I appreciate the call. Let me get to a couple more emails. This is from Mike. He says, Pete, my son is an ADA, assistant district attorney, in another North Carolina city, and almost three years ago, he cited to me juvenile crime stats from there that are almost identical to those that we heard about from Charlotte today. Uh, Seth says, Pete, hopefully those school counselors will be carrying weapons to stop all the school shootings. That's They won't be, but uh, Terry says, Pete, every menu should include a Kamala salad. Fills up the bowl. Has no calories, though. Nothing in it. Boom. And Pete says, oh, Walter says, sorry. I This is a quote from uh, Kamala. I am so glad to be in the Queen City, which I don't believe has a queen. And a queen, as you know, is royalty like a king. But this is the Queen City, not the King City. I have a Venn diagram ready for you, Charleston, uh, Charlottesville, uh, Trump's fault. See you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.